Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program about all sorts of things to do with motoring and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this week's program we have new stories with David Campbell, including car sales outlook weakens as those intending to buy a new car seem to be staying away. We have a range of motoring minutes with Rob Fraser and myself on some new cars, political statements about banning petrol and diesel cars, and pollution with trucks. I also have a longer conversation with Rob about the hybrid Camry. He didn't think much of hybrids when they first came out, but now he is a changed man. And Brian Smith and I discuss April Fool's jokes from the car industry. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or our Facebook site, Overdrive City. So let's start the program with the news. According to Roy Morgan Research, fewer Australians are planning to buy a new car, which is a further indication that automotive sales in 2019 are weakening. A December survey of buyer intentions shows that just over 2 million Australians said that they intend to purchase a new vehicle in the next four years. It is the lowest level since November 2014 and below the 15-year long-term average. This represents a decline of 6% from 12 months ago in December 2017. However, the one-year intentions to purchase a new car are down by nearly 10% over the same period. Among intending new vehicle buyers over the next four years, Roy Morgan's research found an increasing level of interest in alternative fuels to petrol. According to VFAX, 75% of new vehicle sales in Australia in 2018 had petrol engines. In the recent report, only 61% of intending buyers said their next car would be petrol-powered. Australia's top-selling motor brand is also the country's largest sports sponsor. Toyota has signed a deal that upgrades the $16 million sponsorship agreement it signed with the Australian Football League in 2015 by agreeing to pay a reported $18.5 million a year to the AFL until 2023. Based on the reported amount, Toyota leapfrogs Kia's $16 million annual sponsorship of the Australian Open Tennis Tournament. But Toyota is being coy about the exact amount, saying the $18.5 million figure mentioned is incorrect, yet it will not release the actual sponsorship figure for contractual reasons. In Australia, Toyota is the principal sponsor of various teams and sporting events, including the AFL and WAFL, the Adelaide Crows, the North Queensland Cowboys, National Wheelchair Basketball and, on a global stage, the Olympic and Paralympic Games. New cars sold in Europe from 2022 will have to be fitted with systems to limit their speed. Under new safety rules agreed to by the European Union, all new vehicles are required to have intelligent speed assistance systems as standard equipment. The EU rules don't mandate specific technology for the systems, which can be temporarily overridden by the driver. Some car makers have already developed ways of using GPS or cameras to detect 
posted speed limits and make sure vehicles adhere to them. The rules which also mandate crash data recorders and reversing cameras were hailed by safety advocates. But others raised concerns over the risk of drivers becoming complacent and less focused on the road conditions. Some European automakers see an advantage in limiting speeds. Volvo, which is owned by China's Geely Motors, said earlier this month that it would stop its cars from going faster than 180 kilometers per hour or about 112 miles per hour. The EU rules must now be formally approved by member states and the European Parliament. Hyundai Australia recently bolstered its electric vehicle lineup with the release of the Kona Electric small SUV, joining its Blue Drive vehicle range. However, the models are being sold and serviced at just 18 dealerships nationwide. This includes four in Victoria, five in New South Wales, three each in Perth and Brisbane, and one in Canberra, Adelaide and Hobart. Hyundai have said that they plan to expand its Blue Driver dealer network in the future to accommodate the expected increase in popularity of electric vehicles. Toyota and Suzuki recently announced a collaboration to share resources for future vehicles from both brands. Toyota will bring its electrification technologies to the table, while Suzuki will supply its compact vehicle resources. Toyota will give Suzuki access to its Toyota hybrid system globally through to the local procurement of hybrid electric vehicle systems, engines and batteries. Toyota Australia hopes a $7.4 million investment in a hydrogen production and vehicle refuelling centre at its former car manufacturing site at Altona in Melbourne will help to trigger the development of more hydrogen infrastructure across Australia. This will help to pave the way for the introduction of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, such as its Mirai. To date, Toyota has been stymied from offering the Mirai for sale in Australia because of the lack of hydrogen refuelling stations. The Federal Australian Renewable Energy Agency, or ARENA, will contribute $3.1 million to Toyota Hydrogen Centre that will produce up to 60 kilograms of hydrogen a day. And that has been the news. There are moves to ban the complete sale of internal combustion engines. But David Brown puts that into perspective. A minor party and now the New South Wales Motoring Club have called for banning sales of new petrol and diesel cars after 2030. Even if you do not agree with climate change, there are reasons to move to a greater use of alternative fuels such as battery and hydrogen power. Reducing local pollution, reducing dependence on overseas fuel supplies. All major car manufacturers are moving to hybrids and or electric cars and there are jobs and growth in these new technologies. We have to find a way to move forward without alienating people. Australia has been slow in developing coherent policies to promote cleaner transport options. We need policies that encourage the good as much as punish the undesirable. You're listening to Overdrive. Subaru Outback has long been one of the Japanese manufacturer's most popular models in Australia, and Rob Fraser has been driving the 2019 version. Subaru can justifiably lay claim to the fact that they started the SUV revolution way back in the last century. It was in the 1970s with the Subaru Leone wagon that has now morphed over the years into the Outback SUV. While it forsakes the current high-body design trend for a traditional wagon style, the Outback is every bit as capable and spacious as its SUV counterparts. 
On a recent weekend away, we towed a jet ski with no fuss at all to use on Wangler Dam as well as touring around the New South Wales countryside. The Outback is one of those vehicles that grows on you the more you drive it, being more like a luxury wagon. Whether it is around town, heading to the Opera of the Snow or even heading to Birdsville, the Subaru will take you in style and at around $49,000 plus on-road costs, it provides a level of sophistication that is hard to match for the price. You're listening to Overdrive. When hybrid cars first came onto the market, a colleague of mine, a motoring journalist, wrote a story with the headline, Hybrid Cars, the greatest automotive con the world has ever seen. And uh, that was, of course, our friend Rob Fraser, who joins us on the line now. G'day, Rob. David, how are you? Good. Have you had an epiphany? Have you had a road to Damascus conversion? David, I have seen the light, my brother. I have seen the light. I have seen the benefits of hybrid cars. (laughs) You have actually driven a very popular model just recently. What was that? The Camry Hybrid Ascent Sport. Now, Sport's a bit of a misnomer, but I think it's more a, a level of trim than anything else. But yes, no, I spent a week in that, and I think I was... I think I was... I don't think I was quite correct about hybrid cars. An apology is always hard. I did see a Camry the other day that had the number plate De Beast, which I thought was, again, a bit optimistic. And uh, as you say, I think they do do that. But that the hybrid, what were its great features? Was it easy to drive? Yeah, look, it was very easy to drive. And I think that's the benefit of, of the hybrid cars now. They have come so far from where they were. It provided a little bit of good acceleration up front because of you know the the electric motors it had awesome economy it was unbelievable but it required no change in my driving habits whatsoever it was just a normal camry that i jumped in and drove off and it was as easy to drive as a normal camry no surprises nope no surprises no thinking nothing you just jumped in and drove See, the early ones that came out had very big batteries. They had limited space. So the thing about this is you didn't notice it, even, say, when you went to the boot or any of those other normal activities. Well, see, that's the clever thing about the new hybrid. It's on the Toyota new platform, and that allows them to put the batteries under the rear seats, whereas in the past, you're right, it has restricted boot room dramatically. But the Camry has a normal-sized boot, as much as sedans go. And uh, also bringing the batteries further forward and underneath the back seat also changes the dynamic qualities of the vehicle as well. Lowers the centre of gravity, brings the weight more into the centre of the car, and it makes it just handle more like a normal car. Gee, I remember the first, was it the Insight, the Honda? Yeah. The battery just about took the whole, well, it was a boot area. It had like a fastback sort of arrangement to it. It took the whole rear area and it looked ugly. And I think that's the main thing. And I think that's where electric cars are going a bit that way too. As a colleague said and said on our show last week, they don't want new technology to look like a science experiment. Uh, that's true. And again, that's what I was so impressed with the hybrid. It was, other than the fact that it had a badge on the back and the fact that you could silently sneak out of car parks and scare the bejesus out of people... <laughs> Um, there was no difference to a normal car. That quietness when they run, you do have to be careful of, don't you? Uh, a little bit, yeah, because people don't hear them coming at all. Mm. Of course, in America, they're mandating that electric vehicles will have to make some sort of generated noise under 25 miles an hour, I think it is, so that people in general, and certainly people with visual disabilities, won't be caught 
out. See, the Camry's a good-sized car. It's totally dominating that medium segment. All the other cars, there was the Ford Mondeo, a very good car. It's like Kia dominating the compact, the very smallest size of the market with their little Picanto. The greatest dominance of a market segment, I think second to the Picanto, is now the Camry. So it's doing something right. It's an excellent car. It's funny you mentioned about taxis because I jumped into one all about two months ago and it was a hybrid Camry, and I was talking to the, the driver about it. He loved it. He absolutely loved it. They buy them secondhand about 12 months old. They run them through to the three or four years, put hundreds of thousands of kilometres on them, and he had nothing but praise for it. The taxis used to be LPG, which initially was a pretty rough sort of ride. It got better, but I don't think it ever got as good as what you're talking about with the Camry. No, not at all. He had, I think, three or four taxis, I can't remember, all of them Camry hybrids. And, um, yeah, no, he loved them. You said you got good fuel economy. What sort of numbers was that? Look, it was fluctuating between 4.3 and 4.7 litres per 100 k's, which was just stunning on the freeway. The big problem with the internal combustion engine, but not so much with an electric engine, is in the city. This hybrid, how does it perform there? It was going up to around about the 6.5 litres per 100 k's, so that was still pretty good. Oh, look, I think that's fantastic around the, the city area for what is a medium size, but that's a good size car. There's, there's enough room in it, for, even for a frame such as your own. I had plenty of room, and I'm slightly larger than the average bear at 190 centimetres and north of 100 k's, unfortunately. Just a bit north. Don't laugh. Um, it was perfect size for me. It, look, I really did jump out of that Camry thinking I could actually buy one of these. And my immediate thought was then, why doesn't Toyota put these in the Kluger and all the RAV, the motors? Okay. Around town, it was perfect. It was quiet. When I jumped into it first up, it was doing, it said it had about 650Ks to go in the tank. And I thought, okay, that's fair enough. By the time I'd driven home, which was about 50 k's, it was saying it had about 720 k's to go, like a combined total. (laughs) By the time I'd driven 200 k's north on the freeway to where I actually live, it was telling me it had about 850 k's combined total. And then as the days wore on, it actually got up to around about the 980 k mark. And I'm sitting there tapping the fuel gauge saying, is this thing working? Like... Because it was just, you know, with a bit of careful manipulation, you could easily crack the 1,000-kilometre mark out of a tank. Obviously, it was setting its rates or its projections initially based on the person who had the car before, which might reflect their driving style as much as uh, the new figures reflect yours. So, uh, yeah, it's not one to hoon around in because it's just not that sort of car, is it? No, it's not. But if you do give it a bit of stick, it actually doesn't affect it that much. Is that right? I think because I haven't driven one for a while, but in every aspect, I kept going, this is actually pretty bloody good. Well, brother, thank you for your testimony, your conversion, your change in life and acceptance. It is, of course, a reflection of how technology has evolved, but one of which you would now stand as an evangelist. I don't know if I'd be an evangelist for, but certainly I would be an advocate for, more so than electric cars, because the one thing that really drove home to me was the difference between driving this car and having no change in my driving habits or driving an electric car, which would require me to have a substantial change to my driving habits and range anxiety.
Rob, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, David. That's Rob Fraser from anyauto.com.au and he was talking there about the Toyota Camry Hybrid. This is Overdrive across Australia. There's been a strong focus on the pollution emitted from cars, but what about trucks? David Brown gives us an insight. The average age of cars in Australia at over 10 years is high by first world standards, but the average age of our trucks on our roads is 18 years. A truck made in the year 2000 can have 60 to 80 times the pollution levels of one that meets the latest European standards. The large trucks you see on the highways are more likely to be modern as they are running long distances and fuel efficiency is critical. But some older trucks are shuffled off to do short trips in the stop-start environment of urban areas where local pollution is a well-understood problem. We need to encourage upgrading our freight vehicles as part of improving our local environments. You're listening to Overdrive. One of the trends in the automotive industry in recent years has been towards souped-up dual-cab utes. Even Toyota is in on the act with their rogue, rugged and rugged X offerings. And Rob Fraser has been driving the Rugged X. Hilux Rugged X is aimed at the recreational four-wheel drive market. Based on the SR5 dual-cab four-wheel drive model, it comes with a number of additional features that many buyers typically add as aftermarket accessories. These are things such as an LED light bar, a heavy-duty winch-compatible front bar as well as front scrape plate, there's a snorkel, front recovery points, there's an integrated tow bar and a heavy-duty step, a sports bar in the tub, and some distinctive decals that all combine to promote a very aggressive style. Inside, there is a redesigned dash with white on black dials, some heated leather seats, and a few other luxuries. Typically, it retains the Hilux engine and transmission and the legendary four-wheel drive capability. And priced from a little under $64,000 plus on-road costs for the automatic version, it's actually not too bad a value. Check out the full Toyota Hilux Rugged X review, carreviewcentral.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. Well, we've just had April Fool's Day and traditionally a number of car companies often put out an April Fool's Day joke. Are they good? Are they clever? Well, to review the f- some from this year, I have our good friend on the line, Brian Smith. Go, okay, Brian. G'day, David. Do you like April Fool's Day jokes? Look, as a rule, I don't mind April Fool's Day, but I have to say um, I find a lot of the uh, companies uh, doing their little jokes quite lame, actually, um, and, and embarrassing. You know, the, I, I dread the, you know, the hilarious sort of joke that comes from BMW each year or, or other car manufacturers. However, interestingly, though, sometimes what they kind of present as a bit of an April Fool's joke might actually be the sort of thing that people would like. Do you think there might be some this year? Yeah, I think uh, a few of the ones I saw this year, I thought to myself, you know, that's not a bad idea. And, and I, wouldn't ex- I would expect maybe I wouldn't be disappointed to see, you know, in a year or two this uh, joke being becoming reality. Let's go through a few. The Toyota Yaris, they put out their adventure car, 
which was really just a little Yaris, which of course is a very small car, but with a ute on the back. Poking fun at four-wheel drive owners who don't go off the tarmac. Outrageously good humour? David, attacking their own customers, I think. I saw it as. I thought, gosh, Toyota, you sell a lot of utes and and four-wheel drives, and here you are having a, a go at your own customers around the fact that you know, the, the vehicle comes with roadside assistance because uh, it, it, to make up for the for its lack of functionality. And, and Toyota states it's likely the truck will get stuck if it veers too far off the road. So they're having a bit of a laugh, but, boy, they're, they're having a bit of a snarky go at their own customers there. There's no one standing beside it saying, oh, what a feeling. <laughs> That's right. No, but... But gosh, I, I mean, they, uh, they they talk about a, having four-wheel drive, but only enough to get it up a snowy exit ramp from an underground car park. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff in here is, um, you know, it's kind of apt, but uh, you know, like it's quite quite cruel. I mean, even the the, the fact that they don't offer sat nav, they wouldn't offer sat nav as an option because uh, if you're smart enough to drive it, then you know exactly where you're going. They'd have, oh, what a feeling, but the person wouldn't jump energetically into the air. They would just sort of stand around like a disenchanted 14-year-old boy, wouldn't they? You know, that sort of, <laughs> it was an image that they just didn't want to live up to. And as yeah. you say, they sell so many of these, you would think that they might well still steer clear of that. Well, yeah, a lot, a lot of RAV4 owners are probably the, the very people they're mocking. <laughs> Audi B-Tron honey-powered car. We've seen a whole pile of cars that are charged by electricity and so on. Uh, perhaps this is the ultimate, I don't know, modern trend of trying to find something that is homey and good and we can use it to power the car, maybe feel good about ourselves and not pollute as much. Were you convinced with this one? Da- David, I was convinced that the cliche about Germans and senses of humour... <laughs> It's very apt. They uh, they made up the their sort of uh, skunk works company name as Komplett Geschminkt, which is Germany German for made up entirely. And uh, and the, the height of their humour was talking about how early prototypes, because they have a, a hexagonal fuel cap to sort of be reminiscent of uh, of a honey or or a beef bee powered uh, car. Um, they they said the. The early prototypes attracted bees around the hexagonal fuel cap and one tester was swarmed by a hive that had settled in the glove compartment. So that's that's rib-tickling stuff, isn't it? I thought that there's a whole pile of other things that you could power it by that might have much greater sort of um, philosophical benefit to it, like weed, you know, cannabis. Mm. The smoke of cannabis might well be a, a way of doing it. It could be. I mean, it's a poignant thing here that that bees around the world are in decline, populations <laughs> of bees, because of climate change. That's um, probably twenty percent of which is is can be sheeted home to the transport sector. It, it should come powered by kale. I think that would be yeah, more trendy, yeah. wouldn't it? We know water, and I've always thought urinating in it would be a great way. You know that uh, you had to drink a few more beers to get home. That might be. <laughs> the poor image uh, of course charging electric cars has always been a problem bmw somewhat tongue-in-cheek has an answer yes they're talking about a paint they, they said they've developed lunar paint and it's embedded with a revolutionary photovoltaic technology that allows you to charge the vehicle at night and this is one of them that 
that that had two things for me. The first was reinforcing that thing about Germans and senses of humour that we saw with Audi. But the second thing, thinking, gosh, you know what? Why shouldn't we have enough light at night to recharge? So this was one that I thought, hmm, maybe there's a hint in there about the ability to develop some photovoltaic technology to allow charging from the moon. Trouble is, if you have a full moon, people go crazy, and if you charge their car up to the full, they'd be hooning around. The, the two factors could come together and cause catastrophe. Mm, but I could certainly see that sort of things like uh, street lights and, and uh, other advertising lights could provide uh, oh, a bit okay. of a charge as you drive along. Okay, yeah. make it very bright. You know what the music would be for the background for the ad by the light of the silvery moon. Very nice, David. Yeah, very nice. So there's probably a reader or two old enough, a uh, listener or two old enough to know that song. <laughs> there is also a song on Moonlight Bay, which means, of course, that they'd have to sell an amphibian car as well, I suppose. <laughs> MG wants to have road painting tyres, so to speak. I presume that the idea of it going along and that embeds certain road colour tyres that uh, leave a coating in a water-soluble dye, soluble dye, which covers the road as the car drives before fading away shortly afterwards. I guess the rainbow tradition might well be something that they're trying to play on there. David, this is one that I said, all right, whoever, yeah, everybody reading this who has any kind of tyre technology industry is now going, can we make this happen? Because I think that's a fantastic idea. I would love to see tyres that left a little trail that showed where you'd been and that that you can imagine turning onto a street and seeing, you know, a, a coloured strip of, of made by the tyres on the road that you could... Yeah, it's a lovely idea. A hopscotch on the road, chalk drawings. Oh, OK. Yeah. I'd... I'd yeah, I'm, I'm challenging now car companies and tyre companies, make this happen. You could see whether your partner was already home, you know, had driven yeah. in before you, or you could follow your children. I have a, a particular interest in that. Mm -hmm. It make for very colourful um, burnouts at Summonats. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, uh, BMW had the April Fool's Day joke where, they, you know, the BMW Rondel, which is the circle divided into four squares, mm. Mm. they're blue. They proposed to put some out where you could get the colour of your political party. Brian, how lovely it is to talk to you, and we will catch you up next week. Thank you, David. That's Brian Smith, and we were talking about April Fool's Day jokes from the motor company, some with a sense of humour. Some, perhaps not. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Brian Smith, David Campbell, Rob Fraser and Paul Just for all their hard work to support this program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au and previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify and, of course, there's our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>